All right, welcome to this week's passing period in all of the above podcast extra. As you know, our full episodes are loaded with a ton of headlines and deep dives, and those come out every two weeks via podcast and via video on YouTube. But Passing Period is a podcast exclusive that we drop in between full episodes to touch on some stories that either we weren't able to squeeze into a full episode or that may update something that we've discussed previously. And this week, we have a story out of Texas regarding Georgia Clark, who we spoke about in Season 2, Episode 16, this past summer. Jeff, Georgia Clark, remind us who, who is she and what was, what was going on with her. Well, Manuel, Georgia Clark, I'm sure, is a name that uh, folks, uh, if they haven't heard, um, will know a whole lot about very soon. And I'm sure many folks probably recognize that name from it blowing up on social media. Uh, but Georgia Clark is, uh, or I guess we should probably technically say right now, still was a teacher uh, in Fort Worth, Texas who uh, found herself in some pretty hot, pretty deep water um, earlier this year, back in May of 2019, when she sent a string of uh, public tweets to President Trump. Uh, she says she did not realize that these tweets were public. She thought they were private messages, but in them, she asked for assistance uh, from the president in doing something about the illegal immigrants who are all over the Fort Worth Independent School District um, and in her school, her school, which is reported to be uh, about 80% Latinx students. And uh, she proceeded to go as far as giving the president her personal phone number and saying that uh, she was afraid that uh, the, you know, the district and the state, uh, the Texas Education Agency wouldn't offer her protection as a whistleblower for, uh, you know, for reporting this to the president and that this was a crisis and something must be done and that the, quote, uh, Mexicans refuse to honor our flag. So, Damn. yeah, yeah. So, uh, the layers of hot messness here uh, are, <laughs> are deep. <laughs> I'm not, you know, Indeed. not entirely sure uh, where to begin uh, or how to parse out where to begin uh, talking about the, the ridiculousness that is Georgia Clark. But underneath this, I think, is actually, uh, you know, both a, a profound moral question and ethical question about our profession and also an interesting legal question being that, you know, she she was and perhaps will be again uh, an employee of, you know, of, of an arm of the state. Right. So what do you think? Yeah. So, I mean, so they fired her, the board, the school board fired her back in, I think it was June. And, you know, I think at the time when we discussed it in our, um, our 4th of July episode about the Pledge of Allegiance, at the time, I think I recall we sort of celebrated the fact that they seemed to act pretty quickly on this, the school board and uh, remove her from the classroom pretty quickly, and uh, justifiably so, in my opinion, because how could you have a teacher leading a group of students and looking at those students as humans who should not be in the classroom or should not be in the country? So like, how could you expect a teacher to serve and, and fulfill their duties while simultaneously feeling that these students need to be removed, not just from the classroom, but from the country? So we celebrated the fact that the district seemed to act pretty quickly in removing her. So 
I have to be honest, like I was kind of surprised they acted as quickly as they did. And I'm even more surprised that the Texas Education Agency recently ruled that she um, actually should be reinstated and paid back for uh, the time that she missed from the classroom and um, perhaps get a full year's pay and benefits for um, going through everything and, and for missing that time. So the Texas Education Agency is basically saying that this is a matter of freedom of speech and that in this case, her statements were basically the statements that I'm quoting from their report. Uh, Clark's tweets are statements of a citizen on a matter of public concern protected by the United States Constitution and do not contravene or impair policies or proper performance of the district's functions, which I just find to be crazy. They're basically saying like, all she did was ask the president to enforce the law, nothing to see here, put her back in the classroom, when it's so much more than that. It's like, okay, I guess technically she's asking the president to enforce immigration law that's on the books. But I mean, this is so much deeper than that. As far as a technicality, like, okay, I get it. And the district is sure to um, appeal and this isn't over yet by any means, but I don't think any agency anywhere should be okay with a teacher literally saying, I have students in my room, in my school, who should be removed, not for their behavior, but for their citizenship status. And, you know, in her original tweets, she was saying basically anything you could do to remove the illegals from Fort Worth would be greatly appreciated. And, you know, she said the Mexicans refuse to honor our flag. And first of all, in terms of the idea that she's asking the president to enforce the law, we're here assuming we're not assuming she's assuming that the students that she has in front of her are here um, illegally and are undocumented. Of course, she couldn't possibly know that because that's not something that would be documented in school records or it shouldn't be because that'd be a, a violation in and of itself. Um, so she's here assuming that the students are undocumented. And then the Mexicans refuse to honor our flag part. There's no part of the law that says anything about having to so-called honor the flag in any particular way. So that is not asking um, the president for something that pertains to, um, you know, enforcing the law. So this is just ugly and it's, it shouldn't surprise me, but it does surprise me that she was reinstated. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's a mess. Um, so I think there are two like parallel interesting tracks here and, and I want to try to explore them both with you. Cause I, I think from a moral, ethical, professional standpoint, her conduct seems to me to be obviously reprehensible and inexcusable and clearly within the, right. within the bounds of behavior that a district should be within the rights to uh, to terminate a teacher for uh, in my mind right. um, and the reason I think I you know I say that is that so she works at a school and, and I um, I believe I, I misspoke earlier so the the schools reported to be about 62 percent um, uh, Hispanic students, according to the Texas uh, Education Association. I mean, it could be 1%, you know, and still this is a problem. It, right? it would be, right? But yeah. given that particular context, it's also, uh, I, I think that does give, um, you know, an even greater reason uh, to bring this under scrutiny because right. we know that not all 62% of those students themselves are here, you know, undocumented. 
and that um, you know she has no way of knowing for certain the documentation status of those students. So right. what she's doing is participating in a larger, you know, right-wing racist societal attempt to criminalize and demonize an entire community um, and to actually perpetuate some of the more, you know, racist, vitriolic, um, you know, aspects of policing and law enforcement in this country that, that actually not only are harmful in and of themselves in terms of the traumatic effects of ICE coming in and snatching a parent away from their kids when they go to school, which we've seen dramatized in, you know, in headlines numerous times across the country, but also has the chilling and suppressing effect of, uh, you know, of things like you know, discouraging uh, women in the community from reporting domestic violence to police right. or, you know, discouraging families from seeking uh, state or, uh, you know, other types of assistance that they may be entitled to um, because they're afraid that they themselves as someone who's undocumented, say as a parent, even if their child is documented or someone who lives in the house by extension who may be undocumented, they're just afraid to come into contact with any sort of aspect of the state, right? And the, the ripple right. effect of that is kids receiving less than they should receive in terms of everything from food to healthcare to, you know, uh, basic social services. Uh, and what she's doing is perpetuating this system we have uh, kind of put into place under the, the Trump administration, especially not that, you know, Obama administration was innocent on this front by any by any stretch. But the ramping up right. of the kind of public vitriol geared towards this community, um, you know, she's she is exacerbating that uh, with this kind of message. And that that to me is an overtly hostile, racist act towards the community that she serves and places her behavior squarely within the bounds of something that could be a good cause for dismissal. Um, so there's kind of that side of things. The other side is I think I agree with the um, the uh, the TEA uh, board chairman partially when he says that um, that Georgia Clark's speech is protected speech. So I think in and of itself, to me, that does make sense. And the, the commissioner's name was uh, Mike Morath of the Texas Education Agency, uh, who, who gave this ruling, um, you know, that a teacher tweeting the president on their personal time and device outside of school about um, an issue of national importance is protected speech. So I think there, there, that can be true at the same time as the actions of the uh, Fort Worth school board to terminate her employment can also be true. Like you can engage in speech that is ultimately protected speech that you're legally allowed to say and have the results of that speech be really damaging to to the community yeah. that you serve and still be justly terminated for that speech. Absolutely. Right? So, like, if a teacher yeah. was a Klan member and was walking around the streets of Fort Worth talking about, you know, whatever reckless things the Klan has to say, they have a right to do that, and the school district has a right to fire them and say, <laughs> say that this makes you unfit to act as a you know principled ethical educator, right? And it's happened plenty of times for other 
other issues like, you know, teachers have been let go for all sorts of online activity that wasn't necessarily illegal and or anything like that, but did disrupt the basic operations of the school enough to warrant that teacher being dismissed. Yeah. So you're right. Yeah. So so I I, I don't know anything about this, you know, the, uh, the, the makeup of the um, TEA board uh, that this appeal went to and Mike Morath and his, you know, personal politics or, you know, the kind of uh, potential politics at play on this board. I mean, one can maybe imagine being that it's the state of Texas, uh, but I find it... Um, I find it somewhat convenient that, uh, you know, that this woman who clearly did something that like there's anyone who's approaching this situation with any type of awareness of race, racism, immigration, xenophobia, and what's happening in our society today at all uh, would have to see her conduct as highly problematic at, at minimum. Um, and, yeah. I, and I find it convenient that they would, uh, you know, sort of hand down this First Amendment technicality ruling um, as a, you know, as as a way to justify what she has said. Um, now, may, yeah. maybe not. That's not what he meant and all that. But uh, it certainly comes across that way. And I, I definitely hope that the the school board does appeal and does litigate this, because this, to me, would set really dangerous precedent if, um you know, if this were allowed to uh, to continue here. Oh, yeah. But I mean, you know that that First Amendment claim only seems to protect certain people in certain cases, because I mean, we could go back to the Kaepernick situation and the national anthem and think about all those students, uh, football players, cheerleaders across the nation who were suspended or kicked off their teams for taking a knee during the anthem. And that's First Amendment. But you didn't see folks trumpeting First Amendment in those cases. So it seems to be one of those things where it's kind of like, at the person's own political, ideological convenience that, oh, no, wait, First Amendment, she has a right to do that, nothing to see here. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree that the, the ramifications could be crazy if you just basically uh, say that teachers could do or post things like this and it's protected by their First Amendment speech because, you know, you and I could go ahead and post all kinds of things that are a matter of national importance that, you know, and just, you know, point to her and say, well, look, she was able to do it. And what about what about us? And of course, we know that um, words mean things. And, and as a teacher and as a representative, not just of your school and your community, but of, you know, educators across the country, like your your words have have true, true impact in how young people view themselves, see themselves and visualize themselves in within schools and within um, our nation. So something like what she was saying about, you know, Mexicans not honoring their flag, just that blanket statement is just so, so damaging that, I mean, this shouldn't even be a question. But yeah, I agree with you in terms of the citing of her First Amendment rights and that, you know, technically there might uh, be room for some kind of examination there about the extent to which a teacher has a right to, to say certain things, but then also the schools have a uh, a right and a duty to protect their students from, from uh, in this case, hateful uh, views and hateful, hateful words. Um, I do want to also add that one of her tweets, and we didn't realize this, I don't think at the time when we reported about it, but in one of her tweets, she was blaming her assistant principal, and she referred to that assistant principal as, quote, Hispanic assistant principal who protects certain students from criminal prosecution. So I don't know. I mean, you're an administrator. You, you've you worked with administrators. So um, this seems to me like a whole nother level of an issue for a teacher to 
It's, I mean, to me, it sounds like she's profiling her assistant principal since that assistant principal is Hispanic. Um, you know, seeing this sort of uh, protection for these what she thinks are illegal students kind of reminds me of when Trump was talking about that that Mexican judge, so-called, who ruled against one of his companies. Um, so, I mean, couldn't, couldn't there be something there in terms of how a teacher is, um, I don't know, re, uh, in this case, referring to their assistant principal and trying to blame their assistant principal for protecting students from criminal prosecution? I think it's it's just another layer on the uh, you know of the same cake, right? <laughs> she, yeah. She just like nasty ass cake. Some nasty cake. cake. Trash. It's another another layer of of just hate frosting with a stale, <laughs> crusty layer of racism cake on top, right? Um, yeah. So you know, it, I think it it follows a similar pattern in and of itself. Yeah. Is it is it illegal for her to? Say she has a Mexican assistant principal, whether that's true or not, uh, you know, um, right. no, you know, she, she's entitled to say that. And when you put it into the larger context, it's revealing of her mindset and her, um, you know, her, the sort of damaging effort she's making to uh, to try to bring harm to the community that she is professionally obligated to serve. And knowing that that harm is coming with bigotry, uh, marginalization, trauma, etc., uh, she's yeah. you know she's kind of clearly chosen a side here, and that and that oh, is sure. her right to do, and she has to bear the consequences of being on that side of of the issue. And it's funny a minute ago you mentioned actually you know like the um, the cases we saw of students and uh, cheerleaders, athletes who uh, were sort of following in Colin Kaepernick's steps. And actually just this week, we got uh, a story out of that. I believe we talked about on an episode uh, back in 2017, um, where uh, at Kenesaw State University, which I, I believe is in the state of Georgia, um, there was a group of cheerleaders who knelt during, the, <clears throat> excuse me, during the national anthem um, yeah. uh, in protest of police brutality. And were, uh, you know, excluded, punished by the school. And uh, one of them just this week won a, uh, a settlement, a financial settlement from the school, uh, which brought an end to her lawsuit. So $145,000 uh, in damages for the, beh the behavior of the university in retribution to her. And I think mm. this is where, um, you know, we've spoken before about how in some ways the kind of philosophy of the political left uh like pe people make the accusation that schools are you know liberal places and have liberal bias and this sort of thing and yeah i think a lot of times that is just a, a right-wing trope that doesn't necessarily have a lot of merit um but there's a layer of it that i think is is actually true in that the core kind of culture and values of school are things like we respect the dignity of all people and we respect the rights and, you know, um, privileges and self-determination of all people. And uh, that kind of philosophy, right, that everyone, all of the diversity of our, you know, of our community has a place here and that we will act affirmatively to respect everyone uh, and prevent harm coming to anyone that that kind of core culture of school just so happens to align better 
with uh, you know the, the the kind of political philosophy of folks who are more progressive in this country than folks who are more right wing or or conservative, and so. We see it, the difference here in this case in Georgia with, you know, a, a university being forced into a financial settlement um, when a student is speaking out and certainly causing some disruption to the school in, in some even small way, um, but speaking out in support of some cause of justice, right, as opposed to this teacher in Texas speaking out in an effort to further marginalize and yeah. uh, you know, and punish and and criminalize an entire community, for which she does not actually have a particular factual basis to to make that you know accusation. Right? She's sort of advocating for coll right. collective punishment of a community. Right. And so, yeah, I think by definition, the the culture of school and the way that school is designed to work makes her type of, makes Georgia Clark's type of actions. Uh, you know, more antithetical to what the what the kind of professional and ethical norms are in school, relative to what you know, say this cheerleader did in you know right. at her college in Georgia. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, you're right, and I also think there are many folks out there that don't even want to hear that because it's the law, Jeff. <laughs> don't you want to enforce the law? Yes. Like, why, why do you hate freedom? Why do you hate freedom, man? Well, so, uh, you know, so obviously this is trash and we'll give you all updates as updates come in to uh, see where her case goes. But we do want to I, I do want to point out that her tweets, she thought they were private. We only know about this because she didn't know how to use Twitter correctly. So you can imagine how many other teachers out there have similar beliefs and just aren't posting it publicly for the public to see and you know so she's one case that we're focusing on but really this is this is something that you know we got to look at our profession across the nation and, and really think about who we have serving our kids and um, you know what sort of hateful things they're thinking about the students in their own room on their own roster just last week a, a substitute teacher in another part of Texas was caught on camera yelling at a Hispanic student to, to speak English because we're in America. And I remember a year ago, there was a teacher in New Jersey who was also caught on cell phone camera uh, yelling at students, telling them to speak American, you know, as ignorant as she was. So, you know, there's a lot of, lot of folks out there across our profession who simply do not see all of their students, all of our students as fully capable, fully valuable human beings who all deserve to have the best of us. Like there are plenty of uh, teachers in classrooms right now who simply are looking at students in their own in their own room that they think like this person shouldn't be here, like straight up. And that's a problem. If you're a teacher, if you don't have love for every single kid on your roster, you need to go ahead and find another line of work. We've said it plenty of times on the show. There's so much more you could do. There's no reason for you to stick to teaching if you yourself do not actually love all of your students. So, yeah. It seems pretty simple uh, when you put it, it, seems you put it that way. Well, <laughs> it's, it's it seems really simple, not that complicated. Yeah. So um, Georgia Clark, actually, I think is one of several teachers who could really benefit from doing some personal identity work. 
And if you are wondering what personal identity work is or what it means or how it applies to this case or how it applies to you as an educator, you're in luck because the episode that we have dropping this coming Friday features Minpei, who is one of the um, one of my favorite educators out there doing the really, really hard, critical work of examining how teachers' own personal identities impact their work in the classroom and impact their interactions with students and other educators. So we have her on the show. She We recorded her um, uh, recently, and it's one of the dopest conversations we've had for a seminar. So I'm really looking forward to that dropping this Friday. So definitely make sure, if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button, hit that follow button, rate us, review us, all that good stuff so that when that episode drops, you could uh, be among the first to uh, hear it or watch it if you head over to our YouTube. So uh, yeah, I think that's it for this week's passing period, right, Jeff? That's all we got, man. It's been it's been a good one. Um, and uh, now it's time to get to class, I think. Yeah. All right, folks. We'll see you in about a week. Get to class. <laughs>